Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Shake That City, designed by Mads Flow and Kerr Torndal Kiar, developed by Kirk W. Buckendorf of Ready Set Bet. The artist was Olga Kim, and it was published in 2023 by AEG. It's up to you to design the best city block using patterns from the exciting cube shaker. <laughs> what? You'll place a mix of building tiles to help you grow your thriving city. The best design wins the game. Are you ready to shake that city? I feel like it was shake like a 80s game show. Yeah. Uh, the mechanics are okay. Bingo. Grid coverage, pattern building, tile placement, and variable setup. And the box art? Oh, it's got like a kind of a cartoon-esque looking city block that has shaped that city up top with some cubes in a grid. Um, it's got like a hill. So like the, 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 the block is on a hill. It reminds me of like uh, not computer generated, but the way the color, like the blocks and the colors and stuff are, it doesn't look like it's been hand drawn. It looks like somebody went in and was like super impressive with like paint or Illustrator or something. It's very shiny. Yes, mm -hmm. it reminds me of like almost maybe like a box art for like a SimCity two thousand or something. Oh yeah, yeah, like a like a yeah early 2000s video game or something. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, based off all this, would you pull it off a shelf? BP. Probably not. I mean, the box art, while reminiscent of early 2000 video games, which who doesn't love early 2000 video games? Um, I don't know. Like a another grid game for city building? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Like the theme, me. not exactly uh, super exciting. <laughs> I feel like we have built many a cities and towns. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, bingo is kind of interesting. The only like bingo game we've played is Ecos, and I I like it there. Um, but yeah, otherwise uh, I don't really know what a an exciting cube shaker is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or how that is thematic. Uh, Kiwi? Yeah. I think I would, only because AEG has been hyping it up a lot. Uh, probably because they're releasing it. Like, this is one of their big games I think they're releasing for Gen Con. I think they actually had a Kickstarter, which seems weird for AEG, but I Kickstarter to do it, and so it just got delivered here. Um, and so I've heard a lot of stuff about it, and so I think that's what would make me pick it up. I'm not sure that the game description itself, although now I am also curious what an exciting cube shaker is. I feel like it's just a differently named uh, dice tower. Right, but is it a cube shaker like the pyramid from Camel Up? Ooh, good question. So, which, not necessary, but still fun. Mm -hmm. So is this cube shaker not necessary? but still fun. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I think I would pick it up just based on the hype, not necessarily because of the the art or the description. Uh, yeah, so 
I guess, speaking of cube shakers, uh, how do you think this shakes out, BP? Hey, oh. you're also fired from the podcast. <laughs> That's the most scary moment I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's a cube shaker and it's bingo, is it going to be like one of those like rolly cages that then you get like a certain colored block that then you have to place and... Um, Maybe the certain colored blocks uh, refer back to certain types of buildings. And you want to have like all red cubes in a orthogonal line. What is a rolly cage cube? You think of like a boggle? I'm thinking of, you know, like you have like a cage with all the oh, bingo balls. Oh, the bingo in it. ball. Yeah, the cage that like you. Oh, like they used to hand crank up. it? Oh, yeah, that would be like, super exciting. Uh, like old school bingo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm going to definitely go with that. So we've got our manual rolling cage. That would be an exciting cube shaker. Yeah. Uh, and then it's going to spit out, like, yeah, I think you said, like, maybe the cubes are different, uh, like, uh, going back to SimCity, like, uh, residential, commercial, industrial. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to, like, get a good balance of all those, but you got to play mm-hmm. some, like, honestly, I'm picturing Tiny Towns with a cube shaker is really where I'm at. I was thinking the same thing. Okay. So, so red, red for residential, blue for commercial, and yellow for industrial, if we're going to go. Some sure. Scene. And then green okay. for like uh, parks and, and things. Parks, parks yeah. yeah. And maybe a gray for like roads or something. Gray for roads. Um, yeah. Because I feel like those all were the cube colors in the picture. Yep. Oh, there's black. What's maybe black? black is roads and gray is like uh, public buildings. Uh, the history of uh, those cagey rolly things. Yeah. I wish now. Uh, I went with Shake That City, so sh- the biggest shaking of a city I could think of was the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Do you want to know something? You knew it. I knew that's what you were going to do based on the name of the game. So we've been married for too long. <laughs> Okay, then. So the earthquake took place April 18th, 1906, around five o'clock in the morning, just off the coast of uh, San Francisco. Um, It registered as a 7.9 and is still listed as one of the deadliest or at least um, uh, highest damage, deadliest earthquake in the history of the United States. The death tolls um, are like the the number of the death tolls is still kind of uh, asterisks on it uh, because some of the record keeping was not kept very well, especially for some areas in Chinatown due to early 20th century racism. So. Uh, especially areas like Chinatown were not accurately counted. Uh, but there is estimates that over 3,000 people died during the earthquake and subsequent fires, and that 80% of the city uh, was burned down with probably about that many people uh, displaced and homeless until the city was rebuilt. So kind of intense. Uh, to put it mildly. The quake was felt all the way from Southern Oregon to south of Los Angeles, uh, as far inland as Nevada as well. So 
Um, I know in the 19, late 70s, 80s, there was a earthquake in um, the northern Los Angeles area. Uh, there was also one in the 80s in the Kalinga area, um, but none of those came close to the magnitude of this one. Um, but if you are familiar with some of the geographical um, underpinnings of California, the San Andreas Fault is one of the longest and goes pretty much along uh, the coastline and interior of California. Um, yeah, so 1906. Wasn't a lot of the death toll because of like the fires and stuff caused by the earthquake or was it, am I thinking of something else? Yeah, I said the earthquake and subsequent fires. Oh, sorry. I missed that. Yeah, it's because you're not paying attention. Well, just wait until my section when everybody stops paying attention. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Uh, there were aftershocks um, up to about a week afterwards. Aftershocks are like the creepiest thing ever, especially after like a giant earthquake. We felt a ton of them after the earthquake mm. in 2011 in Japan. Mm -hmm. And we were up north uh, being in like a tall high rise building. We have some of those aftershocks because like, that's where we were initially until we got moved to a building that was closer to the flight line. Mm -hmm. Like we were in like this tall, like high rise. And so there were a couple of times like that first and second night where we get getting hit by aftershocks and it was like super, super uncomfortable. Oh, I, I, I grew up in California, so I was used to the earthquakes and the shaking. Um, my tall rise building in 2011 actually swayed no, I was, that was like the first big one. And we didn't feel anything in Okinawa. I don't remember anything in Okinawa. Oh, but, but there were other earthquakes. Up north, yeah. So, um, so you guys want to know how to play now that we've talked about earthquakes and stuff, which this game has nothing to do with? I'm kind of disappointed it doesn't. Yeah. They like shake it up. Well, it's because they Do we at least get a bingo cage? Uh, sadly, there is no bingo cage, that but that would be pretty badass. Yep. <laughs> Out of right. here. So we are city planners and we're trying to create the best city, but we don't always get the buildings we want. The game lasts for 15 rounds, at which point the player with the most victory points is the winner and players earn those points with tile placement combinations and completed bonuses. The first active player is the last player to have shaken something. I stirred. I shook that container with my maple sesame mix uh, yeah. in order to break them up. Was that today? I, I, that was yeah, today. That was I shook a, uh, a uh, Cajun crab boil bag last night, but you got me. Oh, okay. so, oh, yeah. yeah, I think I got you. All right, so I'll, I'll go first. And really, uh, it's just the first active player to roll the dice. So, um, okay. So each round is made up of four phases. So the first phase, we're going to shake the cubes. So the active player is going to use the cube shaker to deposit a set of nine but, cubes I need a description the table. of the cube shaker. Uh, you'll see it in the thing. It's basically a box, but a inside the box, uh, inside, the, so uh, it's a box. Inside the box, there are nine slots, but what they've done is they've uh, like put a, a, uh, a slide out, like 
hard, like a flat slide out piece. Okay. So you shake the cube so that each of the dice falls into one of the slots. Okay. So it forms a three by three grid. And then you put the, the dice shaker down and you pull out the, uh, the slotted piece and all the dice fall down straight on the table. You lift it up and now it has created a random three by three grid with the colors on the dice showing. So it, it automatically creates the three by three grid hmm. and rolls the dice for you. Interesting. So that's the exciting cube shaker. Uh, and I believe in the production copy, it is a, uh, you have to build it. It's uh, like flat pack, uh, hard press board, basically. So like most of the cardboard stuff that we have in games. Um, okay, so yep, active player is gonna use that cube shaker to create the uh, three by three grid. Then they're going to choose one of the building colors from the cubes that are shown in that three by three grid. The other players are then simultaneously going to choose their color, with the one exception being they cannot choose the same color as the active player. So that active player will get that color all to their all to their own. I call blue. Well, when you're the active player, you can call blue. <laughs> uh, so the roads are uh, gray is roads, green is parks, black is factories, blue is shops, and red is homes. Um, so for Rounds one through 12, that's when you can't pick the same as the active player. But for the last three rounds of the game, uh, it doesn't matter what the active player picks. Everybody can pick whatever color they want. Next, you're gonna place your building tiles. So players are gonna grab building tiles corresponding to the color they chose and place them on their player board, matching the pattern and orientation set in the cube pattern. So if you had like, you picked blue and blue is in each of the corners, you would have to do that same pattern from the three by three grid. That's how you place them on your board. <coughs> uh, so you're gonna take a number of tiles equal to the number of cubes in the current rounds design. Each tile must be placed in an open space on your player board. The tiles will be placed in the same orientation as they appear in the cube pattern without rotation or reconfiguring. Uh, you must place tiles all on your board. If you can't, you have to choose a different color. And if there's no color you can legally place on your board, you cannot place any tiles. Once placed, tiles cannot be moved. And then at the end of the round, which is the fourth phase, we're gonna move the disc forward one space on the round tracker. We're gonna put the cubes back into the cube shaker and pass it clockwise to the next player. At the end of the 15th round, the game is over and scoring is completed. Players are gonna gain points based on their building tile placements and their bonus point tiles, which are set on the beginning of the game and it's gonna be uh, around the corner of each of our boards. The player with the most points is the winner. In the case of a tie, the player with the most flipped bonus tiles, uh, meaning you completed one or two of the requirements wins. And if it's still tied, the player with the least amount of empty spaces on their board is the winner. After that, the victory is shared. And those are most of the rules. Most of the rules? There's a lot of point scoring stuff on like placements that I didn't go into. All right, well, let's play. We just finished a game of Shake That City. To recap, BP had 30 commercial points. Kiwi had 34 giant block housing points. 
And I won with 48 Main Street points. My winning strategy was to build a Main Street. Uh, that was my goal. I kind of didn't pay any attention to scoring. <laughs> I just wanted a Main Street flanked by shops that kind of went to a residential area. Um, and then I guess somehow all of the scoring kind of worked out because of that big road. Yeah, you in fact thought you were doing things wrong and I, yet you... Yeah, I just wanted to... I mean, I guess it kind of goes to like, uh, uh, I guess the design of the game that I was just trying to make a city that kind of made sense. And I guess it got me a lot of points. Yeah. I mean, I did like... I, I was going to have a block of houses, like a residential area, and Kiwi told me not to do that. So uh, I guess I did that. And then I was going to have a big park uh, in the center. And uh, that's you told me the shop wanted to be in the gray area, so I changed that plan. But otherwise, I didn't really uh, pay too much attention to scoring. Yeah, I wanted to have like a big kind of like a suburban area, so residential and parks. And so I created started creating like this big blob of residential areas. And then that big blob got me like no points. So I have a ton of homes, but I guess nobody moved in because they didn't actually want to live oh, You there. have a really nice park. Yeah, I have a nice park. See, uh, I feel like you see, I like, like that. He went with a car-free town. Because if I that were a road, it probably would have gotten you more points. But like, it just you know, you got to walk. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know, like maybe because I know it's different scoring if you play on the other side of the map. Uh, and so they do the scoring slightly differently. So had I, uh, if it, we were on the other side of the map, it's two points plus an additional point for each home in the group. Mm. If it's adjacent to a beach. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you want more beachfront property, but... Uh, yeah, and I, so I think, you know, if I have to teach, we'll yeah, get into that later. But uh, yeah, I, I think we didn't really get the scoring. We kind of picked it up as we went because it's like a lot of stuff. So we just sort of like went and just did stuff. And then the scoring just sort of came out of that at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like looked at the scoring. I just, I wanted a town that made sense. I, I was going for a town that made sense. I thought mine... Yeah, hit, big hit, hit a lot of things, but apparently I did not have enough roads or roads connected properly. Yeah, to, that Main Street was was clutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Main Street was a big deal. Um, theme. Did you feel like you were uh, building a earthquake city? I, mean, I don't know about an earthquake city, but you know the fact that we said. I'm going to take a residential, I'm going to take a park, I'm going to build a road. Eric was talking about building his main street and then got super excited when he thought he could create a, a two by two, like giant park. Uh, I was trying to go for a more suburban residential parky area. So I felt like, you know, thematically, maybe we were building a small town, but yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say no, but then I built a town and it worked so maybe uh, <laughs> i i still feel like if you're trying to do like all the bonuses and stuff and actually like you know maximize your points on the game that you're i don't know if it, i don't know kind of i guess but it didn't really feel like it when i was doing it it felt like See, i was I playing it, against the game 
I, I think it's just it's with the with the cubes coming out, it's so random that it's not really building a town because I don't think you'd be so random. Right. That's so that's why I was kinda like I just I'm gonna take the one instead of the other thing because I want a road to go here. And things yeah. like that. I, it's kinda like your city planner is drunk, I guess. Or like you you know, you're trying to attract certain people to your town, but you keep getting the other people that just want to build houses next to each other. You're just like, damn it, man, I need a factory. You don't want to live next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, you're yeah. too close. If you, I don't know. Um, it's mixed on that. Yeah. Uh, table presence, BP? Um, I mean, if the cube thing is kind of cool looking in person versus tabletop simulator, it might kind of turn your eyes because it's something kind of different. Uh, I think it would really catch my eyes if it were a uh, rolly cage or bingo. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's not overwhelming. It's got the colors. Uh, it definitely looks like it's more unique than some pattern builders so i mean i think you would look at it walking by oh they're not dice they're literally just cubes yeah, so you cubes. shake up the box yeah and then they just fall into the three this is a pretty accurate representation of what the actual game looks like yeah mm -hmm. which i would agree that shaker's kind of not it's not like the pyramid of camel cup no. yeah no um Looks like there's some rubber bands involved. Uh, I'm thinking of just like Cape May. Yes, I right? was thinking about Cape May a lot. Like in terms of table game. presence, like that just yeah. would Cape crush Cape May is this. so much better, yes. So may I get that that's a bit more, you know, it's a lot more to it, obviously, but I don't think that this would jump out. I think, oh, tile, tile city. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe if somebody was shaking the box, you know, so you, you got kind of that, you know, what's going on over there. But I think other than that, like, I, I agree with you, you know, if there were instead of cardboard pieces, if there were actual like, like in Cape May, you had the houses once you got mm -hmm. to like the, what was it, like the mansions or whatever at the very mm -hmm. end that you could build with the fences and stuff around them. And they had like plastic bits for that. I feel like if you actually had, you know, little pieces that you could put out there so that you actually had a 3D representation of your town. That would be more of a presence, I feel like, than oh, yeah. just the tiles. Yep. All right, mechanics. Uh, what do you think of mechanics? So, I mean, I like the... I think what I found most interesting is, like, everybody's board is oriented the same yeah. in terms of, like, what corner your bonuses are in. And everybody is... But everybody's board is going to end up a little bit different because of how you're looking at that three by three grid. So even if we chose the same color as the non-active player, it's going to go on our board differently. So we, even though we're all choosing from the same three by three, we're choosing from the same colors, our board is going to end up differently because of the orientation. And I found that to be one of the most interesting bits, uh, you know, going into the puzzle piece. But other than that, it's, you know, a normal, like, pattern matching type of type of game so this has come up with uh, some other games like this but what if you don't have a table where you sit in this orientation like what if you sit two by two i feel like that's always the issue with these like sitting position games it's like i have to have a square table in which everybody is sitting like 
from a different direction. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't actually, like in the rule book, it doesn't actually say like, you know, the way that you look at it, but what it does say is you may not rotate. Right. So, I mean, yeah, two by two would just be, you know, each two people two doing the people. same thing. But it, to me, it kind of yeah. defeats the whole, like that is the mechanic is like you have a grid and everyone is at a different angle to it. Yeah. So I'm sure it works, but, but it kind of just sort of defeats. I feel yeah, like and I think it might be like how you actually set up um, like your player board. I think it actually goes into like telling you like, hey, um, let me look it up. Each player places their corner tile on the northwest corner of their player board. It is essential that all players use the same cardinal directions on the table, regardless of which way they are facing. So do you have to get a compass out to, or it's northwest of the board? Northwest of the board. Yeah, I think you need a compass. I'm just going to say that's a little bit complicated um, for for something that is essential to the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. It's just kind of a, a weird thing, I feel like. Uh, the nice part is, is on the player board itself, the northwest corner does have a much larger tuft of grass <laughs> so that you know that it is the northwest mm -hmm. corner. So The old northwest tuft. Yeah, the old northwest tuft. Uh, BP mechanics? I mean, I, I did find having the different orientations interesting, but I thought... And, you know, it was also interesting to think about having the randomization and trying to fit patterns in in like that. But um, I don't have much else to add than yeah. that. I, I mean, it's it's a pattern building game, yep. right? Uh, rules. How was it learning the game? I think we're still kind of confused on some of the scoring and the logic behind some of the scoring. Uh, yeah, that definitely. I mean, we assume blocks of houses would make sense because usually you have like yeah. a residential neighborhood. But I guess everybody hates their neighbors, so. So they want to live next to. They don't want to live next to a factory. That's at least. Yeah, something. they don't want to live next to each other or a factory. A factory makes sense. That's like a standard in in these yeah. you know city yeah. games. Um, the shop thing kind of makes sense after the fact, but I didn't understand it during. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, concept of put dice on the grid or put grid shapes onto the board was easy enough but the scoring mm -hmm. was kind of uh interesting yeah i think that would be the hardest part to and i you know knowing that i'm gonna have to teach this in a couple of weeks you know trying to imagine like how do i want to teach the scoring because i felt like had we had a better understanding of scoring at the beginning we might have played it slightly differently but yeah, you know, I feel like we were all just sort of just making our town. So I think if everybody is just if everybody's just making a town, the scoring doesn't really matter. Like knowing the scoring doesn't really matter because you're going to get whatever score you get. But if you have somebody in the group that is going to play to get maximum points. points, which you know you're going to. Yeah, yeah, which you yeah, somebody's in the somebody in the group's going to be there. So you're going to end up like in order to make it fair, like everybody needs to know how the scoring works because you're gonna have that one per. You're gonna have, uh, what was that, Takenoko guy? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the best way would maybe having a board preset up so you like mine where you can show like, hey, this is gonna the roads and I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like a sample board setup. Yeah. Because I think that especially the shops, I feel like I needed to visualize before it made sense. 
Yeah, I agree. I, that was, and I was thinking that's probably the way I'd have to go as well. Um, player interaction, not really. Yeah. yeah, it was just those first 12 rounds when you just couldn't pick whatever the active player did. But I felt like I almost always had an option even then. And I kind of screwed myself at the end taking the giant block of residential. I really shouldn't have done that. And it cost, I wasn't able to place the last two rounds, I think. But yeah, I mean, not very interactive. Um, even that one kind of weird drafting piece didn't really impact much for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you play it again, BP? No. There's more pattern building, city building games out there that are much more interesting. I thought of Cape May the whole time. So. Yeah. Cape May and Tiny Towns, I pretty much yeah. thought of. Uh, you know, Tiny Towns being sort of a quicker, puzzlier one, Cape May being a longer, more city building-y one. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I feel like I'm going to move on and forget about it, like, mm -hmm. in an hour. So, and then if I want to play a city game, I'll just go across one of the other, like, five billion of them. Uh, uh, and I will agree with both of you. I think for a pattern building game, I would rather play Tiny Towns. And if I want to build out like Cape May, the, the nice part about Cape May is you're not building your own thing. Like everybody's sort of right. building together. And so you've got this kind of traveling around, buying up real estate. So there's a lot more to that city building. Like you're all working on the same city. But if I want to play a pattern matching like village builder, I would play Tiny Towns because I think Eric's right. And I like the puzzle to Tiny Towns better because not only do I need to match patterns in order to build buildings, but I need to match patterns in a certain way so that I can make sure that I still have space to continue building buildings mm -hmm. and don't block myself in. So there's an additional layer to that puzzle that I like that I don't think you get with this. So I'm also going to go with no. All right. That was Shake That City. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do so via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or Twitter and Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he's going down Main Street, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. I don't know where this park would look best. I kind of want it on the main street, but got all this industry, maybe I should make that kind of look nicer. Maybe we'll have a big ooh, a four by four park. Oh yeah, we're going big park. I'm at a road, I want that connected. Gotta get the products out of the factories, all right.